The Pendant Shakespeare presents... Hello and welcome to the seventh and uh, again final chapter of Henry the Sixth, Part One produced by Pendant Shakespeare. My name is Jeff Robinson. I have the pleasure of being the uh, director of Pendant Shakespeare and am joined once again by our dramaturge Morgan Z. Soul. Morgan, great to have you as always. Always a pleasure to be here. Hello out there in uh, Pendant Land. It is uh, so neat to wrap up the uh, seventh episode of this production. Thank you to the cast uh, and the listeners and everybody for hanging in there. This was a um, definitely a longer one for me. I think uh, Pericles and uh, Double Falsehood coming in at just uh, five episodes, you know, one act per episode, which was nice and clean. But this one doing a little more creative, uh, creative uh, rejiggering of the scenes and everything to get it to fit neatly into these seven episodes here. But uh, ending with a bang for sure. Uh, so Morgan, here we have. Oh, go ahead. Bang here as Joan is grappling with the fiends. Right. So yeah, I have to have to admit, I was not uh, not expecting this. Uh, Joan summoning demons. Uh, does that? I don't know. Is it just me, or does that seem pretty pretty random for Shakespeare? <laughs> uh, you know, her her very sudden extreme heel turn. Uh, you know, I got to imagine it was political. You know, uh, he had to make sure he really really made her look bad in a sure. play that, you know, the upper class of England is going to be watching. Good point. <laughs> and uh, yeah, definitely as I edited this scene, it made me wonder how on earth would you pull this off on stage? Like, would you have like actors coming on stage and like dancing around or something? <laughs> yeah. Or you could, you could go the other way and have Joan just be crazy by herself. You know, that's true. That's true. It, it would certainly be interesting to watch the various interpretations, you know. Is she actually summoning demons or is she just, you know, completely losing it? And one of the wonders of audio, a thing that no other medium can do, is we don't have to actually answer that question. Very true. Very true. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate enough to find some great, you know, demonic... Um, type sound effects for this scene um and cat peterson of course is always just acting the hell out of it uh, putting everything 100 you know 50 percent into her performance um and really convincingly selling it but uh you know between the creepy music the creepy demon noises just sort of whispering in her ear whether they're real or not real um was just a, a fun one to edit there for sure Oh, burn there from Joe. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, she's got some good one-liners in this uh, in this one for sure. And uh, that's uh, Carson Campbell playing Richard Plantagenet, uh, now the Duke of York, um, as he received that title during during the play. Bell banning hag seems like seems like a pretty wicked burn as well, huh? But give me leave to curse a while. There's just out a great line. Yes. <laughs> and I should note that Kat, um, who I believe speaks French fluently, actually threw in some French curse words um, as part of her performance. And I said, you know what? I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Might not be in the original text, but it adds a lot to the scene. Uh, you know, I would say I, you know, Kenneth Bernard added a bunch of lines to uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, his film production, as long as they were in Italian. So, ah, interesting. I think that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a precedent from a great Shakespearean. So you're you're on track in my book. Very good. Yes, true. <laughs> um, and here we've got Suffolk's first, um, you know, major appearance in this play. You know, toward the end here, W. Keith Timms uh, as as the Duke of Suffolk. And playing Margaret, we've got uh, Justine Leah Hentz, 
Um, great scene here where Suffolk is uh, pulling out the stops, uh, or, you know, pulling out the charm and the sleeves to uh, to try and woo uh, Margaret. First for himself and then for his king. <laughs> Dropping in a whole new plot thread here in the very, very end, Shakespeare. Uh, nowadays, we call that sequel bait. Exactly, yeah. And it's true. It's true. Uh, does uh, Does resurface in the sequel here. Oh yeah, this is a this is a funny scene for sure. All the um, all the asides they have to each other, and it's uh, you got to edit it carefully to make it clear, you know, which dialogue is supposed to be just sort of to themselves versus which dialogue is supposed to be back and forth. Oh, it's 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 zany. It's it's very meta. Uh, exactly. <laughs> his characters are aware they're doing soliloquies. Yep, a hundred percent. Here I had to throw in some humorous music to make it clear, you know. This this is funny. You're supposed to be laughing at this. Can we do a laugh track next time? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I think Pennant did a, a while ago. Well, didn't, did didn't we do a style, sitcom yeah. style? Yep. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, yeah, one of them I can't recall, but yes. Yeah, that would be a, a funny modern day interpretation for sure. <laughs> Certainly plenty of uh, points in this play warranted. Why speakst thou not? What ransom must I pay? She's beautiful, and therefore to be. Oh yeah, uh, W. Keith Thames totally, totally hamming it up in this particular scene, and I was just eating up every word of it. I think uh, he gave me, you know, three takes per line as as our actors are asked to do, and he totally, consistently delivered like the same sort of interpretation for each take where like his third take was like full-on William Shatner style and I was like you know what I'm using the Shatner like <laughs> I don't know that he was intentionally emulating William Shatner but I was like for this scene it works it is spot on <laughs> sometimes you just need to go big and you know just you can't see them on you can't see them you need to completely create it with their voices and they are doing it oh yes a hundred percent just knocking it out of the park here <laughs> You know, there's a difference of voice acting, and I, I, I would never claim to be able to do it, yet, but it needs to be more in a different way than, than regular acting. You can tell those animated features, that just, those animated movies that just sign a movie star to be a voice, and it just doesn't work. No, no, no not at all. They, are, they can't do it with their voice. It's so true. I mean, you know, in uh, on on film or in front of the camera, you've got facial expressions, you've got movement and everything to convey so much. And in voice acting, nope, got to come out 110% just in your voice alone. So one of the lines earlier, um, Morgan, where Suffolk says, there all is marred, there lies a cooling card. I tweeted recently, I have absolutely no clue what it means, but I think Keith interpreted it perfectly. <laughs> And will not any way dishonor me. Lady, vouchsafe to listen what I say. <laughs> and now uh, the tide has turned here where he's the one trying to get her attention and she's ignoring him. <laughs> you could see their backs to each other, always looking the wrong way. Exactly. <laughs> like a two-person farce without any doors to run through. Right. <laughs> I think my some of my favorite Shakespeare is when two characters are on stage talking just to themselves but somehow their lines managed to rhyme. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Plenty of that here. And you did a good job marking the script up for our performers to give them that context. Now she's deciding him. This is getting wacky. I'll undertake to make thee Henry's queen. 
to put a golden scepter in thy hand and set a precious crown upon thy head. If I've been getting sucked into their performance here. They're great. I am his love. I am unworthy to be Henry's wife. No, gentle madam, I... And now this is going to get very dramatic in the uh, in the sequel, but right now it's it's just good fun. And have no oh yeah, exactly. Spoilers. Yep. There. Yes. <laughs> Are you so content? And if my father please? And now the king. Content. Uh, Captains at our colors. What is the king of Naples, Renier? Who's uh, been played by Josh Kibbe, our steady uh, comic relief throughout this production, making one last appearance, which I enjoyed. Josh Kibbe, always, always uh, steadfast and great. Absolutely. <laughs> Bringing his Monty Python French accent in here. Absolutely love it. Perfect for the part. So many drum rolls in this play. I uh, I made use of the drum roll sound effects uh, again and again. I was like, should I go out and search for more drum rolls out there? There can only be so many recordings of drum rolls. <laughs> but if you were in a live performance, there'd probably only be one drama. So. True, true. Good point. <laughs> you know, so one thing that's tricky about about uh, Shakespeare and keeping track of the characters is, you know, different characters can be, the same character rather, can be known by different names throughout the play. You know, we had um, Plantagenet earlier in the play is now York. Um, the Duke of Suffolk is also William de la Pole. And, you know, a character in one Shakespearean play whose name Suffolk might not be the same Suffolk in a different in a different Shakespeare play. Uh, the two John Falstaffs, like, yes. come on, Shakespeare. Yes, exactly. Could have been a little more creative. <laughs> but yes, you've got to remember that Suffolk is not his actual name, but rather just his title. Which everyone just addresses him as if it was his name. Exactly, yep. <laughs> And those two counties now, if we were if we were Elizabethan English people, we would know this stuff like the back of our hand. But very true, very true. name as deputy unto that gracious king, gives thee our hand for sign of plighted faith. Oh my! Rainier of France. I apologize if I said this before about this, but uh, when I was a young man, I read Dracula, and, mm -hmm. and uh, three quarters of the way through the novel Dracula, Arthur, uh, the character Arthur's father dies. And Arthur becomes Lord Godalming. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that as a kid. As near as I could tell, Arthur just left all his friends and this new guy came in and joined the team. And I was totally <laughs> confused. I had no background for that. I was mad at Arthur for years. Uh, that would have thrown me for sure. Also. <laughs> Farewell, my lord. Good wishes, praise, and prayers. Ah, uh, Suffolk is clearly smitten here, even though he recognizes that uh, that uh, Margaret must be his his king's and not his. A little, a little Sir Lancelot. Uh, oh yes, Guinevere moment. A hundred percent. Yep, exact same vibe. Words sweetly placed and modestly directed. But madam, I must trouble you again. Ah, uh, yes. And now he has one dirty trick up his sleeve coming up here. Yes, my good lord. A pure, unspotted heart. This is my move back in high school. <laughs> and this with all. 
Uh, Justine's uh, reaction there was so good. Yeah. Ah, the Suffolk guy. Big fan of talking to himself. There, minotaurs and ugly treasons lurk. Solicit Henry with her wondrous praise. Bethink thee on her virtues that surmount. Oh, he is a smart man. He has many schemes up his sleeve for sure. Their semblance often on the It's a great, it's a great. Uh, I've, I've started listening to, redoing all this Shakespeare, I've started listening to song lyrics differently. Mm. And whenever there's internal alliteration, mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm just so happy to hear it. <laughs> And a lot of songs do that. I'd never noticed before. Shakespeare's opened my eyes. Ah, boy, this one was an intense scene for sure. Some big, big action coming up. She has to deny. She denies her father. Yeah, that was um, that was very, very interesting to me. Makes me want to look up more about the. Uh, about the real Joan of Arc. Walter Mack here as Shepard, uh, one final performance in the ensemble. I think he's been in all but one episode of the series, so uh, very versatile performer and great having him in the show. And really just goes out with a, with a small, but very meaningful part with a lot of heart to it, the Shepard. Yes, oh, yeah. You have to a lot in four lines. So yep, exactly, exactly, yeah. So why why is it, um, Morgan, if you know, why is it that she is adamant about denying um, her parentage here? You know, in, in history, I don't think she did. Huh, I believe okay. in history, like, part of her story, her own, like, mythological of herself is how humble her birth was. Okay, uh, interesting. Maybe just in Shakespeare's day, they were, I mean, no one's more clash conscious than the British. So right. having somebody pretend to be what they're not would probably uh, just play more into, she goes out, just the worst mustache twisting bad guy you could imagine after being so likable in the beginning. True, true. I mean, it absolutely hypes up the drama uh, in this scene for sure. You couldn't get away with that in a modern movie in the third act, having someone revealed, oh yes, I've been worshipping Satan the whole time. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, that was a harsh burn from her father there. Why would the milk thy mother had given thee had been a little rat spain? Wish your mom had given you rat poison instead of, you know, breast milk. Let me tell you whom you have condemned. Not one begotten of a shepherd's swain. Ah, so um, this particular speech, Morgan, I found very interesting. I thought it was a great opportunity to sort of bring back in that heavenly chorus you heard at the very beginning in one of her first monologues in episode one. Um, you know, basically the same uh, the same vibe as, as that very speech that she has at the beginning, um, talking about, you know, her holy mission and everything. So here you can hear that subtle uh, heavenly chorus fading back in. And, and, and she gets the last word, because mm -hmm. she gets the heavenly chorus at the very end. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I sort of faded out all the background sounds here and just left the focus, you know, visualize Joan on stage, spotlight on her, heavenly chorus in the background. This is her one shining moment before she, uh, well, uh, we'll see what happens to she her in just a second here. Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. final card <laughs> right here. 
one last card. And then York steps in. No, no, you're still getting killed. Yeah. Place barrels of pitch upon the fatal stake that so her torture may be short. So generous of Warwick to say that, you know. Because she's a because she's a woman, we'll uh put pitch on the stake so that she she gets burned faster. <laughs> and now she'll no, yeah, I have a baby. Right. Which I couldn't stop thinking of the musical Chicago when the Roxy Hart character pulls the same ah, thing when she's about Good <laughs> point. I kept thinking I kept thinking, what does this remind me of? And you're absolutely right. <laughs> now heaven forfend the holy maid with uh, Who's the father? Uh, yeah, exactly. No, no, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just gonna go, gonna go right down the list. <laughs> Name everybody I could possibly be. I did imagine that would be her refuge. Well, go to. We'll have no bastards. Ooh, harsh. Especially we'll have no bastards live. You are deceived. My child is not. Okay, so Charles isn't working out. Let's move on to Allenson. Allenson, that notorious Machiavel. It dies, and if it had a thousand lives. And now we're on to candidate number three. Oh, yeah, Kat doing a terrific job here. The desperation in her voice just increasing exponentially with each line, knowing that uh, her life is slipping away. You know, yep. A lot of actors couldn't go higher than she started, and yet she manages to go several gears yes. past that. Yes, very impressive. Absolutely. Great job. <laughs> she is a virgin pure. Strumpet, thy words condemn thy brats. Oh, the sarcasm in uh, Carson's voice here as as uh, Richard or York, so so good. With whom I leave my curse, may never glorious sun reflect its beams upon the country where you make a boat. The darkness and the gloomy shade of death overwhelm you, till mischief and despair drive you to break your neck. So I hang yourselves. Break thou in pieces and consume to ashes, thou foul accursed minister. I'm cringing. Uh, yes, I mean, man, those screams. Again, Cat giving 150% as uh, as her character is dragged away. Just so, so good. Can envision every single word of it. Yes, pity, pity Shakespeare doesn't have her die on stage. Right. <laughs> True. I'd love to hear how loud she could scream. I yeah. She would blow all night. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I consistently, you know, for me anyway, the one of the hardest things about voice acting is screaming, um, you know, because, you know, you're in your house or your apartment, like it's not not easy to give 200% there, you know, and worry about the neighbors, you know, calling the cops on you or what have you. So when uh, when an actor is really uh, just like Adam and Kat have in this production, just turn, you know, just go full blast on those screams uh, just adds so much to the performance. And I appreciate it so much that they're able to to give that energy to the production for sure. Yes, I hope she has a nice soundproof studio and no scared neighbors. <laughs> exactly. Be patient, York. If we conclude a piece, it shall be with such strict and severe covenants as little shall the Frenchman gain thereby. Since Lord and speaking of the Frenchman, is thus agreed that peaceful truce shall be proclaimed in France, 
We come to be informed by yourselves what the conditions of that league must be. Speak, Winchester, for boiling collar chokes the hollow passage of my poisoned voice by sight of these, our baleful enemies. Charles and the rest, <laughs> it is enacted thus. That, in regard, King Henry gives consent. Sarah Palmero here as Cardinal Winchester in this scene. Long-time uh, pendant contributor across many, many different shows. Mm, great job. Absolutely. Wrap it up. Gotta get all the uh, all the pieces in place. Yes. I wonder, you know, back in the day um, when when this play was produced, whether you know whether they would do parts one through three sort of as um like back-to-back -back productions you know what i mean um like whether you like could they like... used to do that harry potter play on broadway ah yeah yeah. yeah right <laughs> like yeah whether you go to like a festival and see like all three in a row or whether it's like okay part one this year part two not until next year that kind of thing well i'm no expert but i do believe that to the elizabethan ear these plays went faster like they spoke much faster than we would today oh so, that is like, interesting huh. i don't know if they did them back to back but it would be much easier than if we ever tried very true yeah and uh this entire play i assembled you know the full cut of all seven episodes sort of the super cut of the show recently and it clocks in at uh two hours and 48 minutes or so so you know a solid pretty lengthy feature feature length movie if you were to take it in in one sitting oh and that's and that's without uh scene changes or any kind of action right or intermission Yep, absolutely. <laughs> but we are unabridged. Exactly. Shout out as well for Bruce Davis, our Duke of Alessand, uh, coming in with an exquisite French accent. And all three of these, uh, all three of these characters, the one Joan said was her baby daddy. Very true. How sayst thou, Charles? And Julia Eve, always spectacular. Oh yes, hundred percent. Kendra Murray as Zid Dauphin. As thou art knight, never to disobey, nor be rebellious to the crown of England. Thou nor thy nobles to the crown of England. So, now dismiss your army when you please. Uh, quick hubris note here, Morgan. Sometimes uh, the stage directions, uh, you know, in the script sort of end up in the dialogue. And there was one part in uh, in York's uh, speech here that I was like, oh, whoops, this is stage directions. Not supposed to be in the dialogue. So I just snipped that on out. <laughs> I can see it right there. I put swears allegiance to Henry, and I didn't. I didn't clip it out. <laughs> oh, all good. No, no big deal. Into stage left. Exactly. I'm like, hmm. I was like, that line sounds a little awkward. I wonder if it's well, actually a line. <laughs> and you know, with Shakespeare, it could have been. It could have been. But no, I think I'm. I'm sure you're right there. My good lord. Yeah, I can count them up. But there's one too many lines in the in the monologue to have the the. Uh, I am big pentameter, so uh, yeah, yeah, that was supposed to not that was not supposed to be there. Thank you. Good. <laughs> I have to look up here how old King Henry is supposed to be exactly. Um, yeah, can't imagine too many like you know twelve-year-old boys uh, 
being too eager to be married off. <laughs> well, they did, they did do that kind of thing back then. Um, oh, for sure, for sure. Although, you know, every production I've seen, you know, King Henry is, is played very young by, you know, later than middle-aged man is our normal, normal version. Ah, interesting. Interesting. So that's, you know, that's Shakespearean actors for you. Right. You know, my Lord, yeah, Emmeline Tuck here as our King Henry. Again, long-time pretended performance. We've got uh, Pete Lutz as Gloucester. Worked with him last in uh, Pericles, Prince of Tyre, so very nice to have him back. Two stalwart performers. A poor Earl's daughter is unequal odds, and therefore may be broke without offense. So now Suffolk here arguing that uh, Henry's previous promise of marriage, um, he can just break off with no consequences, I guess. That's what it is. Good to be the king, as they say. <laughs> I have to admit this... I was going to say, I have to admit this line about the king of Naples and Jerusalem sort of threw me off. I'm like, are Naples and Jerusalem close to each other? I guess I need to study my geography. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I might guess, and I did, I, I slid right by that one in my, in my dramaturging. My guess is that's some kind of like honorific you say about yourself as a, as a true, true. Exactly, yeah. choose for wealth? There were a bunch of crusades, so for all I know, he was the king of Jerusalem. I could never keep track of all the crusades. His queen, and not to seek a queen to make him rich. So worthless. And our great heroes die, uh, and even our bad heroes die in this story. But all the uh, all the wealthy, powerful people who started the war in the first place just kind of shuffle about at the end. Exactly. No, no such consequences for them. Whom his grace affects must be companion of his nuptial bed. And therefore, Lord. I mean, I'm not even sure that would have been considered commentary in Shakespeare's day. That's just the way it is. Yeah. yeah. True enough. <laughs> mega, mega monologue from uh, Suffolk here. It is. It goes on a while. <laughs> and I respect the actor who can keep it going and not just fall into the gotta keep reading. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, W. Keith Timms here, clearly taking the time to know his lines and understand his lines. And again, when you're when you're doing one line that literally is, you know, 30 separate individual lines of dialogue, uh, that is no small feat. And we we always appreciate our actors who who uh, put in that time commitment. It, it makes quite a difference when you uh, hear an actor who understands what they're saying versus somebody who um is just trying to trying to get through it as best they can yes and, and this whole thing is like a five paragraph essay he starts with a thesis and then he supports it with evidence <laughs> and makes his argument at the end like it is a heck of a speech yep i mean imagine making such a speech extemporaneously i uh, will readily admit i do not have such oratory skills but this i am assured I feel such sharp dissension in my breast, such fierce alarms, both of hope and fear, as I am sick with working at my thoughts. Well, Suffolk's speech paid off, apparently. Agree to any covenants and procure that Lady Margaret do vouchsafe to come to cross the seas to England and be crowned King Henry's faithful and anointed queen. So this play would have premiered, so we're talking at least, you know, more than a century after these, uh, you know, real-life counterparts were actually 
alive. I'm thinking, right? That's, Something like that. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. If you do censure me, by and, but the relatives were still in charge, so you had to be careful what you said about them. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder about that. Like, what what political consequences or threats would Shakespeare have endured for for all these portrayals of uh, very real rulers of England? Suffolk slides in with a uh, Trojan War analogy here. With hope to find the like event. Ah, true. Very smooth. <laughs> Aligning himself to the bad guy in the Trojan War story, telling us that things aren't going to be good uh, in the in the near future. This is this is the this is what we would see, have as a post credit sequence in a Marvel movie these days. Setting yeah. up here's the yeah. conflict in the next story. Yes, and speaking of the there next story, the next story, Morgan, what uh, what is on tap for a 2024? Henry VI, Infinity War. I mean, part two. <laughs> yes, otherwise known as part two. Yes, uh, very, very excited. Uh, we're hoping to have many, if not all of our actors uh, reprise their roles. So, uh, yeah, kind of excited to be able to sort of continue on with the story, which uh, I uh, I don't know that uh, Pennant's been able to do um, in the past, you know, sequentially. So will be a great opportunity to continue the story and get to hear from these spectacular actors uh, reprising these roles. So thank you to everybody who uh, hung in there. Thank you to everybody in our stellar cast. Uh, wonderful performances from the ensemble to uh, our leads and, and uh, supporting cast. We really really appreciate the time and effort you put in and, and look forward to working with you hopefully for many many years to come so once again thank you and uh, morgan thank you for your excellent work with all these scripts and your dramaturgy and notes helping our cast and me know uh know what we're doing throughout here uh, it's it is, been uh, it's such a pleasure to be a part of the team yes and thank you thank you so much for being with us all right uh stay tuned for the full super cut of the entire uh, play of Henry the Sixth Part One from Pendant coming out pretty soon, and we look forward to returning next year for Henry the Sixth Part Two. Godspeed. <laughs>